Theology Thursday. All right, we are getting straight into this. Stay with us. Lee in the house. What's going on? Hey, not much, brother. How's it going? Oh, man, I'm excited. We're talking about new jingles, acoustic. We've got some <laughs> yeah. good ideas. I'm, I'm excited. This is good. This is good, people. We're getting to a year. Uh, we've got like, we've been on the map. Two-Age Sojourner is getting a jingle improvement. Uh, we've got some gear thing coming out, potentially. Coffee cups with my face on it. Mm, oh yeah, uh, things are happening, and among those things are the Roman Catholic sacraments. What? Mm. What are we talking about, Nick? Yeah, so uh, I thought it'd be interesting for us to just uh, remind ourselves uh, of our roots, Reformation roots, and look at the seven sacraments of the Roman Catholic Church. That's it. That's it. We could do seven coffee cups with. <laughs> Each coffee cup with a sacrament on it. Uh, wait, it are you feeling it? It's no. I'm feeling it. Well, maybe we could just at least, uh, you know, name the podcast days after the seven sacraments. Maybe we could do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you it want sounds your, like your brain's tired. You just want your face on the coffee cup seven times. That's all you want, dude. No, thanks. Man. I think if you do your face on the coffee cup, you got to do like your your face filling the whole cup. And just the top of your head empty. So when you're drinking from the coffee cup, it looks like you're drinking out the top of your head. Yeah, I like that. I think that's awesome. Drinking my brains. Yeah. Um, all right. Enough talk. Enough play. Let's fight. Let's fight. Uh, all right. On. So we're looking at the sacramental theology of the Roman Catholic Church. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and maybe just to really give people a, a picture. Yeah, for those who study uh, systematic theology, uh, I remember my first impression when I finally understood the system of theology in the sacramental theology of the Roman Catholic Church. Mm. You know, in one sense, it's a beautiful thing because it's harmonious, mm -hmm. all the parts fit together. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, it's a horrifying thing yeah. because of the underlying theology that it promotes. Yeah. It, there's grace there through the sacraments and there's no grace at all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, I suppose the, the the big the big idea with Roman Catholic sacramental theology is mediated grace. Mm. So you have Christ as the head of the church, mm -hmm. and Christ pours out His grace through the Pope, and the yeah. Pope channels His grace through the Cardinal. The, the Cardinals channel their their grace all the way down through the church structure, and then finally the priests. And so you have this stream moving from heaven through the hierarchy of the church and finally through the hands of the priests the, the tangible mediated grace comes through the seven sacraments to the people mm, mm. and uh, where uh, the reformation teaching was you know everything was word-based they understood the ordinary means of grace to be the word so we would have a call to worship from the word we'd preach the word we'd read the word we'd pray according to the promises of the word etc the Roman Catholic uh, theology is very different. Mm -hmm. And so they have, uh, basically they have a sacrament for every stage of life. So it begins with baptism. Right. That's the first sacrament. Mm -hmm. So what do, we, what, what do the Roman Catholics teach? Uh, what do they think baptism is? Yeah, I thought, uh, just from memory, I mean, it's been a while since I've checked this out, but I remember, I mean, everyone wanted their kid baptized 
in case of an infant, yep. you know, uh, death. And in that case, you know, what would happen is that original sin would be taken away, um, but yep. not necessarily sin for a, any actual transgression, you know, brought out of their original sin. So um, you, yep. you'd sort of be safe at that level as long as you were a baby, <laughs> you know, but yep. you got to get your baptism updated uh, otherwise. Yeah. So what would happen is you'd, you'd receive, so you get baptized and you receive a sanctifying grace in baptism. Mm-hmm. So think of it as like a, a deposit of grace gets put in this little infant's heart. Yeah. So then as that infant cooperates with that grace, faith working through love. So as you work with the grace that God puts inside of you, so it sounds like it's um, dependence upon God, but, but it's not monogistic uh, justification. It ends up being synergistic justification because mm-hmm. as you cooperate with this grace, your faith working through love, you justify yourself by these works of love. Yeah, yeah. So that's how baptism and your obedience tie together, and that's how justification would take place. Right. And um, so that would be the at the beginning of the Christian life, mm-hmm. this deposit of grace that you get to work with, to justify yourself with, boom, mm-hmm. baptism. Yeah. Then the next stage, so that's that's baby stage. Then you hit your mid-teens and you come to confirmation. Right. And this is where the next deposit of grace is given to you to see you through the next stage, as it were. My goodness. And you need it for those teens as well. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, What's, what, what strikes me as odd is how many of our Peter Baptist brethren who are Reformed have kept confirmation. Right, totally. totally. Um, where it's clearly one of the seven sacraments of the Roman Catholic Church. Why have they kept it? I have no idea. Right, the pillar of um, popery. <clears throat> <laughs> that's like the, that's like the, the particular yep. Baptist rhetoric. Papists. Papists and pillory. <clears throat> Man, classic. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so the confirmation will be the second one. <clears throat> and then once you're confirmed, you get to uh, partake of the Eucharist, uh, the, the Mass, yeah. the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you, get, you get baptized, <clears throat> you receive grace at baptism, but then you sin. Mm-hmm. You've been confirmed, so now you have the right to approach the table, and you would renew your grace that you needed to sanctify yourself with, through the Lord's Supper. So it'd be like a right. filling up a, tetra, a petrol tank. You get exactly. a, a fresh installment of grace yeah. from which you then go on to justify yourself with through your works of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, faith and love working together. So they include faith, they include grace, but it's in a synergistic structure, not a monogistic one. Right, right. And so they use all the same words that we do, but mm-hmm. they set them up completely differently. So, so those three, baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist, have all been called the sacraments of initiation. Yeah. So beginning as babies, beginning as teenagers, and first communion. So these are the sacraments of initiation. Mm-hmm. Then you get into the sacraments of healing, which would include penance and the anointing of the sick, or otherwise known as last rites. Mm-hmm. Um, so penance and the confessional. Uh, what, do, what do we remember from our Reformation theology on the sacrament of penance? When a cover in the Thing does spring a soul from purgatory does spring <laughs> that's the one All right. a coffin in the cupper cover well how, how does it actually go i've just absolutely mutilated that that statement. yeah i can't remember there were one or two different versions depending on how you translate it <laughs> all right cool. but uh, again i think what you're highlighting there is that the whole reformation began over the controversy over penance right um because the uh 
the indulgences that people were buying were as as part of a penance process mm-hmm. where you would um, <clears throat> you would give alms to the poor mm-hmm. or give alms to the church mm-hmm. and by these giving of alms that was, it was one of the things that was re- required to get uh, forgiveness for your sins um, it was part of what you, uh, one of the things you would be given to perform to do to get forgiveness of your sins mm-hmm. indulgences were part of that package and um, another important part uh, is the confessional mm-hmm and so you would go into a confessional, you would confess your sins, and the priest would pronounce forgiveness over you. Yeah. So, and uh, he would often give you some things that you had to do mm-hmm. um, as acts to show your penance by mm-hmm. which you could, through not through condign merit, but through congruent merit, mm-hmm. uh, gain forgiveness of your sins. Mm. Wow. What do we mean by condign and congruent merit? Oh, I don't know. I only care about pectum merit, pectum salutis merit. <laughs> Amen, brother. Yeah. I, mean, I, th- I thought it was a good point you made the other day. Yeah, totally. But uh, yeah, so the pectum merit is, uh, well, we won't go into that one now. Yeah. But condign merit is where the the act that we offer is equal to the reward given. Mm-hmm. But congruent merit is where we do a deed that's got a little bit of good in it, but it's not perfectly good. Mm-hmm. And God sees the little bit of good. He sees the motive. He sees the heart. And he... He rewards it because it's in keeping with his law, but it may not perfectly attain to his law. Mm. He rewards it nonetheless. Right. God helps those who help and themselves. And so this is yeah. this is what penance involved. Well, it, that's it, it. It can be crassly summarized that way. I mean, they, the, I think the Roman Catholics really do try and present it more positively in the sense that it's not a it's it's not it's not righteous enough to earn anything. Right. But God credits the righteousness in it with a reward. Right. So, so you, at the you end bring of the day, your, it's still meritorious. You bring your um, your flowers to give, to, and you show Dad the flowers you got from Mom, and they're actually yeah. these, these really terrible, like rotten old Weeds. flowers. And then, <laughs> and then your Dad takes it and, and he puts that in a, a lovely bouquet that he had already picked, and then you together present that to the mother. To yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So that's 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 how they view penance. I mean, I'm I'm trying to be as sympathetic as possible because I think sometimes we can we can make it sound. Yeah. We can set up a straw man, yeah. and then when someone actually reads what the Catholics say, they get surprised at how how not so bad it sounds. That's true, and it is very subtle and very nuanced and very complex and very. I mean, they've got all that going for them. So yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. Right. So I mean, penance is 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 one of the central things, and it's still used today. Mm. And uh, it does it does throw your dependence for forgiveness back on yourself, and you can never have any assurance of salvation as long as it's your penance, your prayers, your good deeds, your alms for the poor, your fasting that is required. You know, is it congruent enough? Mm. Mm. <laughs> and uh, God has set us free from that tyranny, and He has given to us the perfect righteousness that we need in Christ. So now, what if you die at that point without holy unction? What happens? Um, so, <clears throat> without holy unction, uh, so holy unction only only forgives your venial sins, not your mortal sins. Okay, right. And so you would spend more time in purgatory, not less, because every Catholic is expected to spend at least a little bit of time in purgatory. All right. Yeah. Of course. I mean, it's reasonable. Yeah. So that's where uh, anointing of the sick, or holy unction, or um, last rites. That would be the the second sacrament of healing. Mm 
Uh-huh. So we've done baptism, we've done confirmation, we've done the Eucharist, we've done penance, uh-huh. which includes the confessional. And now we come to last rites um, or anointing of the sick. And the, it did, uh, it's, it's called anointing of the sick because that's how it began. You know, if anyone is sick, let them call for the elders of the church. And if you were that sick, you were probably on your deathbed. Um, in, in ancient times, there wasn't a lot of good medicine around. And so it was often that thing you did before you died. You got your sins washed yeah. away. Yeah. And so it includes the anointing of oil because, you know, that was a, a typical practice in the mm-hmm. early church. Mm-hmm. And so it developed and grew into this thing that you needed just before you died to get, um, you know, your, your venial sins washed away mm. so that you could spend less time in purgatory. Right. Yeah, fair enough. You know what I'm seeing? I'm seeing seven coffee cups, seven sacraments, seven days. <laughs> uh, all right. Sorry. Anyway, I'm killing all you. Right. All right. So let's kill. come to the last two. So, those, yes. so we've done the sac- sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, Eucharist. Dude, are we still going? We've done the sacraments. Yep. We've done we the sacraments of them? healing, penance, yeah. and anointing of the sick. Now we've got two more, bro. Now oh. we've got the sacraments of vocation. Oh. Which are the sacraments of holy orders My goodness. and matrimony. All right. What's going on with these? So, no, okay. So, not everyone needed all seven sacraments, right? No, because holy orders was for the priests yeah. and matrimony was obviously only for married. Right. So, so you needed five. Ideally. Penance, yeah. So, the five, five were essential, although mm-hmm. last rice is not necessarily essential. You still get to heaven, yeah. uh, though, a long time in purgatory. But, right. yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Um, all right. So, what's, what's holy orders about? Holy orders, this is where you, ordination for ministry. Mm-hmm. So holy orders is where a priest would be given a special grace for service uh, so that he could be commissioned, as it were, so that he could use the keys of the kingdom, as it were, to to become that channel through which the sacramental grace of Christ uh, <clears throat> well, would come. Yeah, totally. So the priesthood. And so the holy orders, you know, there's the whole question of, well, what if what if a priest sins, you know, do his orders stand? Mm, Can the grace mm. of God still work through him even though he's a priest? Mm. And so there's a whole, you know, ex opere operata, mm-hmm. you know, does mm. it work in and of itself despite the priest simply right. because he's been correctly ordained? Um, these are all sorts of discussions that would come in mm. um, at this point. Right. But this would be a crucial one. Uh, if you don't have a priest, you can't have a church. Right. No priest, no church, because the priest is especially set apart to the be the of, channel for yeah. the grace. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Amazing. That, that was huge. I watched this, um, what was that movie? It came out recently where they did the the Roman Catholic Jesuits going over to Japan and uh, this poor guy going through all the suffering and whatnot. But you see that come out in the movie, you know, that they just read the, the weight that fell on these priests needing to stay, knowing that if they go, that's it. No, no church for the people, no grace for the people. Um, so it was quite interesting. Yeah. You know, there was something of a, of a drive there for, for Roman Catholic missions. Yeah, I'm sure. Mm. And uh, I mean, there's, <clears throat> there's a serious decline in people getting into the priesthood today. Yeah. Wow. And uh, sadly, it, it seems that many people who were, have same sex attraction have sought a refuge right. in 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 uh, in the priesthood as well. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. But that is uh, that's another issue. So <laughs> that is a big issue. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Yep. So and then, and the, then last ho- sacrament, vocation. the last sacrament would be matrimony or marriage. Oh, right. Yes. Right. Good. Matrimony. My favorite. Yeah. Right. Yes. And so obviously, um, 
they believe that a special grace is given for the purpose of marriage. And uh, yeah. I mean, there, there's some truth in this. The, sure. the book of Malachi talks about God uh, giving uh, the married couple, a, you know, a portion of His Spirit. Mm. It's a very difficult text to interpret. But mm-hmm. There seems to be some something that the Lord does in a marriage. Mm-hmm. But uh, we would, we wouldn't, in in acknowledging that, we're not endorsing the whole priestly sacramental system of the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Totally. We we believe that the Lord would enable where He commands. So mm-hmm. yes. We are dependent upon God's grace to have a strong marriage, but yeah, we don't see this weird matrimonial blessing, as it were, mm. uh, coming I, through the hands of the priest. I love the way that uh, I love the way that Martin Luther, you know, sort of ditches the whole monk thing and um, and priest thing at least, and and then just like cracks all the brides out on the nunnery. And uh, just gets them all married. <laughs> it's a bit of a bit of a party going on there um, at the at the start of the Reformation. Can you imagine these guys? Wow, you know, just coming out what of that mean? mentality. But I was thinking about it, like, um, you know, so many. Just as you you're talking, so many of the um, the discussions that you that you see seriously debated um from that that early reformation period onwards are, are, are just i mean they're all they all need to be understood within this very context and understanding um because they're approaching it they're coming out of that they're fighting that they're 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 moving away from that you know that's the the thing they're thinking about all the time at at some degree or another and it, and you know if you, it seems so foreign to us now you know if we're hardly in touch with any roman catholic thinking um, and yet it's, it's just sort of a lot of the debates, like especially from a Baptist Protestant perspective, you know, you're looking at, you feel like you've really come, you know, even a step further from the Reformation in that now we're a gathered church, we're baptizing people that believe it's really hardly anything left of the Roman Catholic deal. Um, and you, you look at yeah. some of the stuff that the Reform guys are arguing and, you know, it, it does, sometimes it doesn't make sense. It's like, why would you even, you know, care about that? But you realize it's it's all to do with this connection, you know. Um, so things that you know right. we mentioned earlier the, the 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 reality of ordination, you know, um, uh, and even things like you know does the baptism stand if the priest kind of you know bails out or, or goes funny. Yeah. So you know, lots of questions like that are just are just tied to these historical. And uh, uh, it gives issues. as you examine this uh, sacramental structure, it gives new insight into the words. You know, there is no salvation outside of the church. Totally. Yeah. Which again, they held on to yeah. at some yeah. level. You know. Yeah. So you have to be physically present to receive these things by the priest's hands in order mm. to receive salvation and sanctifying grace and the yeah. ongoing forgiveness, etc. Even, uh, you know, Kelvin's zeal for the sacrament, Luther as well, the big debate there. Uh, you know, again, it, I'm not saying that all of it uh, was ultimately, you know, um, uh, incorrectly, you know, uh, systematized as a result of, of their presuppositions, but it's just that they were coming out of these frameworks, you know, and uh, and so, yeah, just it's again, it's just helpful to know that, I think, as you process what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it helps me to know what Luther was. I mean, consubstantiation. Wow. You know, he must have been treasuring something that was present there. You know, you wouldn't just come up with consubstantiation if you didn't have a pre-existing kind of sacramental structure that you kind of, you know, wanted to hold on to. 
Well, just in light of this, listen to a, a quote from the Council of Trent. Mm-hmm. This is Canon 4. Mm-hmm. If one saith that the sacraments of the new laws, well, let's read Canon 1, and mm-hmm. then I'll read you Canon 4. Mm-hmm. If anyone saith that the sacraments of the new law were not all instituted by Jesus Christ our Lord, or that they are more or less than seven, to wit, baptism, confirmation, the Eucharist, penance, extreme unction, order, and matrimony, or even that any one of these seven is not truly and properly a sacrament, let him be anathema. Ouch. Okay. <laughs> now, uh, Canon 4. If anyone saith that the sacraments of the new law are not necessary unto salvation, but superfluous, and that without them or without the desire thereof, men obtain of God through faith alone the grace of justification. Though all the sacraments are not necessary for every individual, let him be anathema. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know what? If someone comes preaching another gospel where the men are angels, let him be anathema. <laughs> let him be anathema. Amen. Yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean, one of the keys of the Reformation was, you know, we don't have another mediator but Christ. We don't need a priesthood but Christ's priesthood. We receive grace through Christ by His Spirit. We don't We don't have a priesthood that we now need to go through. Yeah. He is the mediator of His church. Totally. That's, that's a key tenet to the Reformation. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Whew. Wow. Makes me just appreciate that we've uh, yeah, got our two ordinances. <laughs> <laughs> it feels so much more manageable, <laughs> you know, so much more practical. Uh, dude, imagine that's a lot of sacraments. Well, it was kind of like we had this um, uh, this lady from from a Roman Catholic church join us for a while, uh, and she pops in every now and again. But she, um, you know, she's just constant. I mean, you know, the conversations we'd have would be so interesting in that she's like, "Well, you know, is that it? You know, is there something? Is there nothing more that needs to happen? You know, just kind of." Gobsmacked at the simplicity of, of everything, you know. Um, yeah. From more ceremony, our, more processions, right. more candles, yeah, lectures, like, more incense, more press. Yeah, she even she even asked me more where books. the focal point of the church was, so that she could stare at it, you know, for worship. And um, you know, obviously, we're in a rented building, so you know, <laughs> <laughs> we we've got this little we got this cool thing on the pulpit, but I mean, it's not exactly the focal point. So yeah, and it's just like you know, even the idea of the focal point being Christ preached and lifted before your perception, you know, it's just wow. Look with your ears. Look with your yeah. ears. Amen. Taste and see. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, totally. And even just yeah, again, having that Lord's Supper being the focal point as a word and sacrament sort of. Um, simplicity there um but yeah i mean look it's just that's really helpful just going through those uh, have we, gone th- we we've gone through all of them now right yep all okay. done all right sweet i mean they just kept coming i, I kind of gave up halfway <laughs> and then <laughs> sort of zoned out zoned back then you were still going but um seven sacraments there we go people huh you know that's informative right there in a nutshell uh if you ever wanted to know what rome was all about um what else do we say about that nick Nothing more to say, brother. Are we on Thursday theology? Yes. Right. So we're not going to do our segue into Sunday because we've still got a few more, <laughs> few more days left. <laughs> <laughs> so, so don't go to church tomorrow because you'd be going to a cult. So stay at home, go to work, listen to the podcast some more and wait for mm. Sunday and then go to church. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Keep awesome. it together, brother. Keep it together. All right, cool. Uh, good day and good night.